you're never alone. And that's one of the great encouragements of having a relationship with God to know that he will always be with you. So what does it mean to be an encouraging person? That's what we're gonna talk about today, how to be an encouraging person. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean to be an encouraging person as well. In fact, you'd be surprised how many people want to be of an encouragement to others, but in the end, they're less encouraging than they wanna be because they're encouraging other people the way they wanna be encouraged not in a way that the other person needs to be encouraged. Oftentimes we may try to encourage other people based on models that we've seen. Maybe we grew up witnessing our parents or our coaches or even pastors or ministers and we have some bad models of encouragement. And so what I wanna do today is I actually wanna talk to us and teach us how we can be encouraging people. Would you bow with me for a short word of prayer? Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we pray that your word would go into us so that we can be like you, great encouragers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So what is true biblical encouragement? What's true biblical encouragement? The question inherently suggests that there are ways to encourage people that are not biblical, And these methods of encouragement may work, but they may not necessarily be, quote unquote, biblical. We may encourage people to do just enough to get by and not make any noise. Or we might encourage people to avoid risk at all cost. We could encourage people through bribes or fear or guilt or greed or anger or even comfort and convenience. It's clear that people can be encouraged to do what is wrong or to do what is right or even encourage people to do what is mediocre. But that's not biblical encouragement. And notice I said encouraging to do something or not do something. You see, encouragement is not just a noun or a destination. Encouragement is actually a verb that moves people toward a certain direction. And as believers, when we encourage people, we want to encourage them to do something or to believe something or to feel something or to stop something or to continue something or to feel more hopeful or to feel better or more trusting. So biblical encouragement has purpose behind it. First and foremost... Biblical encouragement is purposeful. Biblical encouragement is purposeful. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. Check it out. This is what it says. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. My purpose or my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding encouraging them to believe in something. Biblical encouragement is purposeful. Secondly, however, biblical encouragement is powerful. You see, biblical encouragement not only has purpose behind it, but biblical encouragement has power behind it. And when we use God's word to encourage people, the Holy Spirit empowers those words to touch the very heart and the soul of the person. 
You see, human encouragement may touch the emotions of people, and that's good, that's fine, but biblical encouragement touches the heart and the soul and the spirit of a person. And we're in a day and an age where we truly are desperate and in desperate need of biblical encouragement, spiritual encouragement, beyond popular gurus. I was listening to a secular radio station just the other day, and I heard people call in to ask for a word from the person who, who could tell them their, their future or even their past. Like, did my father really die of suicide? Uh, yeah, I feel like that is true. He did. Is, is my relationship going to work with my husband? Yeah, I feel like it is, but you need better communication and, and you need to be more open to him. Am I going to get married in the next three years? No, I don't necessarily feel the next three years, but, you know, you'll build some relationships and then uh, they're going to break away. And then maybe in the fourth year. Ridiculous nonsense. Just a guru who's just telling people what she feels. Ugh. You see, biblical encouragement has power behind it when we use God's word as the source of the encouragement, not what I feel or what I see or what I tap into in the underworld. People go get their palms read because they want encouragement. They want to know something. And God's word gives us extreme power to encourage the soul, the heart, and the mind. And what that shows with the gurus and what that shows with the palm readers is not so much about them doing their, their shenanigans, but it's about the hunger in the hearts of people to really want to know truth. We should pray that God gives us a rhema word in the moment when we're encouraging people. What does your word say, God? And how can I take your written word, your living word, and your spoken word to leverage it in the moment to encourage someone's heart? You see, one of the best ways to use God's word to encourage people is to remind people of God's promises. And you can do it through prayer. Remind people of God's promises through prayer. You see, when people are reminded of what God has said, then they're encouraged to activate their faith in him. And when they place their faith in him, he encourages their hearts and gives them confidence all over again. There's a guy that calls my radio show at least two or three times a week. His name is Dennis from Germantown. And he calls to say, Dr. Anderson, I've not been on pills for a couple of months and I, I don't want to OD on pills. And he'll call and just ask for prayer. And a couple of weeks will go by and he'll call and say, Dr. Anderson, I overdosed on pills. And what he needs in that time is encouragement. He needs prayer. He needs God's promises. He'll ask, will you pray for me? And I'll pray for him and he'll cry. Times he's called and my call screeners have said, you need to dial 911. You see, sometimes even the difficult things of addiction in life, you need something greater, more powerful to encourage you even in those moments. And Dennis calls just to hear an encouraging prayer from Almighty God. And when you have God's word, you don't always have to preach it to people. But guess what? You can pray it. Did you know that? One of the most encouraging things you can do is pray God's word with and over people. God said, you know, you, you, you could literally say, you know, let me pray for you. And so, God, you know, you said that you would never leave us alone or forsake us. Just like we heard in the song from Hebrews 13, 5. You can pray and say, God, you said that you, with you, all things are possible. Like it says in Matthew 19, 26. 
You can pray with people and say, God, you said that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Like it says in Romans 8, 28. You can pray for people and say, God, you said that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Like it says in Philippians 4.13. You can pray, God, you said, do not worry about anything, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make my requests known to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, just like you said in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. We can preach God's word, but we can also pray God's word with people, over people, and that gives them the spiritual power of biblical encouragement. One of the things you can do with God's word as well is you can actually remind people of God's promises through print, through posts. There's a sister in the Lord from our church. Her name's Bridget Thornton. And whenever she sends some mail uh, to me or to other people, oftentimes she'll have just a, a handwritten Bible verse and a note there. So when you open it up, you not only get uh, the, the mail that you're supposed to get, but there's always like a word from God's word, handwritten. About a week ago, Will Eastham, our pastoral resident, wrote me a little handwritten card. And I walked into my office and there it was sitting on my desk. These are small acts that infuse great power in one's heart. Uh, just on Friday when I was working on the message, Amber and I got a text from a woman we've known for over 30 years. She was our real estate agent when we first came to town and she uh, ended up getting saved as she was working to sell us the house and she prayed to receive Christ. And then after that, she was so encouraged and began to read the Bible and uh, and she's helped so many of our other pastors and ministers and people at the church before she moved away. But her name was Donna Campagna. And Donna lives in, you know, like Alexandria, Arlington, Virginia, somewhere uh, like that. And she sends a text to Amber and I early Friday morning. And uh, this is what she said. She goes, I just finished morning prayer. And I wanted you both to know that I still read the Bible that the two of you gave me for Christmas in 2001. Think about that. And there's a picture. She actually sent us a picture of the Bible. I had forgotten we even gave her a Bible. It's 21 years ago. She didn't know Jesus. She came to know Jesus through the cell of our home. She's reading the Bible. And 30 years later, she's, or 20 some years later, she's saying, in my morning prayers. Wow. Not only was it an encouragement, to us, but God's word is still encouraging her because biblical encouragement is purposeful, but it's also powerful. It's not just Donna. You know, there's a couple in our church, Stephen and Susan Harris, and oftentimes they'll write little encouraging notes and a little Bible verse in it to me and to other staff members at time. Little things like that actually are fuel to keep you going. And guess what? If you're not a note writer, you know what? You, many of you are on social media. Why not post something that's encouraging? Biblical principles are scriptures that lift people up. I mean, 
Friends, we're in a day where we need more biblical encouragement than ever before, and we can use all we can get. By the way, when is the last time you wrote a biblical post? When is the last time you actually hand wrote a note of encouragement to someone in your life? Those little things actually matter. See, biblical encouragement, it's purposeful. It's powerful. But thirdly, biblical encouragement is practical. I mean, just because it's biblical doesn't mean that it always has to be spiritual or impractical. You see, when when we meet the needs of people spiritually, it should be manifested in practical ways and in physical ways. There was another radio caller. Her name was Angela, and she was my last caller of the day. And, and, and anybody who wanted to call, I would pray that God would just give a word of encouragement. But this was very interesting because I had never done this before. I looked on the screen. I saw her name was Angela from Waldorf, Maryland. And I said, hey, Angela, thanks a lot for calling. Before you speak, can I ask you a question? And I believe God gave this to me. I said, why are you angry? And she said, Dr. Anderson, I didn't know that I was angry. And I said, that's just what the spirit gave me. And she started crying. She goes, I think that's exactly what it is. My mom passed months ago. None of my family members are helping uh, with, with the money for the funeral or for the casket or anything. I feel like I'm all alone. And I guess I'm really angry and upset about that because it all falls on me financially. And I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling with my family. I'm struggling with loss. And I didn't realize that that's my problem. I'm angry. And I sensed that God wanted to do more, but the show was ending. So I said, if you could just hold on. I want to talk to you after the show. Someone had deposited some money into my account and I went to my office and I transferred the call or got on the line with her. And I said, you know, I really believe that God wants to bless you today. I want to say a prayer for you and pray that you would be encouraged. But I also want to give you a gift financially. She just began to weep and we sent her that gift and a couple of weeks later, she calls back and she says, hey, Dr. Anderson, how you doing? I'm so full of joy. I said, that's, that's great. Your countenance sounds so different. And she goes, guess what? I want to start my own business. I want to start a Jamaican restaurant. And do you know she started a Jamaican restaurant? And last April, she sent a flyer. And you might be able to see that flyer on the screen. And, and she, she sent, uh, it's called Cool Runnings. It's down in Southern Maryland, down in Waldorf, Maryland. So guess what we did? We took the whole radio team down there. And on her very first uh, month of business, we hosted a show live from Cool Runnings Jamaican Restaurant. This woman went from being angry to being financed to being joyful to realizing that she could be encouraged to live out the dream that she wanted as an entrepreneur. And guess what? The food was great. Because this brother can knock out some jerk chicken. I'm telling you, if you are in the Southern Maryland area, you got to check out Cool Runnings. Angela just needed encouragement that day. And we encouraged her by going down there and spending a lot of money. And when people came in, treating people just so her business would succeed. I know of a guy who gave a man um, money so he, uh, or a gift certificate so he could take his wife out to dinner. 
I know of a family that lost their house in a fire last year and the worship ministry took up an offering, had them come to the OMR campus, our Owens Mills campus, and they prayed for him in the back in the green room when they blessed him. I know of a young lady who was in need of a car and another family decided that they wanted to bless her to give her a new car so she'd always have a testimony of God's generosity. I know people who babysit to give young families a break. I know of a ministry in our church at Bridgeway called Love in Action that actually cooks meals and delivers them to people in the church who are going through sickness or grief. I know of a guy who couldn't pay his mortgage and he was down, but God came through and through the generosity of others, he was able to get his mortgage back on track so he wouldn't fall behind. See, whether it's a note or a gift Bible or a gift certificate for dinner or a meal, when you bless people practically and you couple it with the word of God, you will encourage their hearts tremendously. See, you can bless people with your words. You can bless people with your wisdom. You can bless people with your wealth. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 gives us the command to encourage one another. This is what it says. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, which tells us we're to encourage one another and build one another up. This is the first saying of a gracious in the book, Gracism, lifting others up. And, and friends, we need to lift others up, especially when they just want to give up. But we don't just find it in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. We also find it in Hebrews chapter 10. And notice what the writer says in verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Why did he say all the more? He says, you know, don't give up coming together and gathering together as some of you are in the habit of doing. And some of us got into that habit, not because we wanted to, but because of the pandemic. And now that church is open, we wonder, should we go back? It feels good to sleep in. It feels good to do church in our pajamas. Now, of course, there's some people that can't come back for other reasons, but how many of you listening to me, even right now, at whatever time of day it is, could be in the house of the Lord at Bridgeway in Columbia or in Owens Mills, but just decided it'd be more comfortable to be at home? Listen, we're all about the internet campus, and we're all about reaching you, whether you're in your car or in your kitchen or in your living room. But there is something special about coming back together when you can. And only you and God know about that. But I want you to see how relevant that passage is. He actually says, let us consider how to spur one another on toward loving good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another. And he says, all the more because you see the day of Christ approaching. See, the day of Christ it's quickly approaching and judgment day is almost here, my friends, all the more because Jesus Christ is coming back. It's getting harder and harder for believers to hold on to their faith. And so the reason why you come together and gather 
And so you can spur one another on and remind each other to keep the faith, even as it's getting tougher. This is why we want you to become mature and mighty in Christ. Because those that are not mature and mighty in Christ, in the last days, the Bible says that people are going to turn away from the gospel. They're going to turn away from obedience. They're going to turn away from love. And unless you're mature and mighty in Christ, guess what happens? You can become very habitually far and distant away from the flock of Christ, from the word of Christ. And start believing a bunch of stuff that's out there. And before you know it, you're calling gurus to ask whether your loved one died by suicide. Or whether you're going to get married in the next three years. Asking questions of someone who's going to say, but I feel. Using pop psychology and and now people will pay money just to get encouragement. You don't even have to have degrees. You don't have to be a medical expert. You don't have to be a psychologist or psychiatrist. You can just put up a shingle and say, I'm a coach and start charging money. And guess what? People are paying it. But the gospel is free. The word of God is free. And the word of God is purposeful and it's powerful and it's practical. And it can speak into your heart and your soul at such a deep level that there's no guru that can touch you in your soul because the spirit of God knows how to send his word to do exactly what it's supposed to do in your heart. Biblical encouragement is needed all the more. Because we're in the last days. This is why continuing to gather is so important. We gather to encourage each other in our faith. Church is good for your health. It's good for your hope. It's good for your home. It's good for your holiness. It's good for your happiness. It's good for your healing. I mean, don't you feel better? Don't you feel happier when you're in the house of the Lord? Don't you feel more lifted up when we gather together? Let me encourage you. Keep connecting on Zoom. Keep connecting on the Internet. Keep connecting with life groups over coffee in the real talk corridor at our Columbia campus or by the fireplace at our Owens Mills campus. But keep connecting. And one of the best ways to connect is to go to bridgeway.cc and type in the word 30 because we have 30 different ways that you can connect and get involved and grow with the Lord along with small groups of other people because we need each other. Some of you have made a decision, you know, I'm going to check off 30 Sundays, 30 times I'm going to, going to gather with God's people, whether online or in person. Well, guess what? We still have several weeks to go. Maybe that's the one you check off. We told you or asked you or invited you to choose three out of the 30, just 10%. So if you haven't done that, guess what? Jump in. We started back in September. Maybe you're new to the church. Maybe you were slowly getting involved. Or maybe this is the first time you've heard about it. Anybody, it doesn't matter where you are in the country or in the world. Bridgeway.cc slash spell out the word 30. And you can connect with other people who are trying to, to read the Bible, memorize the Bible, pray together, study God's word together. So cool. It spurs us on to, to have faith in God. Well, Bridgeway, we need each other. And we all need to encourage one another. And the Bible tells us that we should do this because we need it. 
But practically speaking, would you like some tips that could, that could actually help you become a more encouraging person? Well, let me give you three. Number one, choose empathy over positivity. Number two, choose honesty over flattery. And here's the third and final one. Choose presence over absence. Let's take one at a time. Choose empathy over positivity. You see, being an encouraging person doesn't mean being positive. Now, I like positive people. I see myself as a positive person. It's one of the top five Gallup strengths that have been identified uh, with, with my personality, with my themes and skills. So positive attitudes are great, and a positive demeanor is awesome. But when others need encouragement, they need your empathy more than your positivity. Now, this may be counterintuitive to some people, but they need to see, they, listen, they need you to see the negative in their situation in order to signal to them that you actually understand the depths of their dilemma, their feelings, their injury, their loss. And so to, to turn everything into a silver lining right away can be interpreted by the other person as you being dismissive or minimizing what they're feeling. So more than positivity, they need your empathy. Empathy sits with the person's pain and seeks to understand their dilemma, maybe even their demons. And when you demonstrate empathy, you're showing the other person that you care enough to feel their pain with them. And just like we rejoice with those who rejoice, 1 Corinthians 12, 26b, we must also suffer with those who suffer, 1 Corinthians 1226A. This means that the pain you feel, I am willing to enter into it with you. As you feel, I feel. And as you heal, I heal. Maybe we can call this the eighth saying of a gracist. I will heal with you. See, gracism rejoices and celebrates, just like it says in the book, but it, may, it must also mourn at times and grieve with others. And honestly, the times we need encouragement the most is when we have had losses, failures, mishaps, faux pas, inconveniences. And when things don't seem to go our way, we need a word of encouragement more than ever. And validating one's feelings is something that is so important when people feel injury before you pivot to positive solutions. Now, yes, you should pivot, but a true encourager is going to validate before he or she elevates the situation to something more, more positive. I had a situation where there was a woman that I had speak at the church, and I've had several women uh, speak at the church from the outside, but this particular woman was a, a bit, um, let's just say, not feeling the whole racial thing. And one of the things that she was saying to me when we were talking on the phone, she said, you know, African-Americans just need to get over their victim mentality. And her perspective was that racism doesn't even exist in America anymore. And so I went on and asked her, I said, have you ever felt discriminated against as a white woman in ministry? And she says, yes, I have many times and, and uh, where I've 
I've tried to minister, but, you know, um, men wouldn't let me minister in their pulpits and and that's fine. But I kept going and I kept moving. I declared that I'm not going to have a victim mentality. And I said, there are a whole lot of black people that have declared that they're not going to let racism stop them. But just because you identify a grievance doesn't mean that you have a victim mentality. It's the exact opposite. Just like a white woman in ministry, you are a survivor. There are many black people in the face of racism who are survivors. They just refuse to put up with stupidity anymore. And so just because you name a grievance doesn't mean you're a victim. You push through it and become a survivor, but to dismiss it and to invalidate it doesn't help the situation. In fact, I was reminded that one of the first things she said to me when she arrived was, thank you so much, Dr. Anderson, for letting me speak on a Sunday morning at your church. There are many Christian pastors that would never let me do that. And I said, you're so welcome. We, we honor and lift up women here. But how if, what if I would have dismissed her comment by saying, you know what, that's ridiculous. There isn't discrimination against women preachers in America. Your perspective is simply born out of a victim mentality. How do you think she would have been made to feel? Dismissed? Mm-hmm. Invalidated? Mm-hmm. You see, my response to this woman leader, who I still have a lot of respect for, was simply this. What African-Americans need from you is not to dismiss their feelings or to, de- to deny that what they have experienced doesn't even exist. That's offensive. Just like you survive chauvinism, blacks survive racism. And black women have to survive both. We should just applaud the strength of black women in this country. It's absolutely amazing. You want to know something else? One of our pastors, a black woman, Sandy Pope, was speaking just last Thursday on our platform, 30-minute Thursdays. And someone wrote a terrible post, a nasty comment right there while she's preaching calling Pastor Sandy's preaching and having a woman preach at Bridgeway Community Church devilish disobedience and a few other things. We had our people finally arrest the comment and delete it, but it took a while for that to happen. And maybe you'll see negative things on on our Facebook or on our YouTube or on other platforms. Guess what? Fill it with good, even when other people troll for evil. But yet, a woman... Black. And guess what? Everybody has their distinctives. Everybody has their identifications. But when you're going to be an encourager, be empathetic, not dismissive. And positive is good. But before you pivot to positive, at least feel what the people are feeling. Being empathetic doesn't mean you're being negative. It simply means you're being sensitive. And is sensitivity really a bad word these days? I think it's a great human quality. Choose empathy over positivity and don't dismiss other people's feeling. Now, before I move on to the second tip, let me ask you, how many of you could use some work in this area of your life to be more empathetic and more sensitive? How many of you know people in your life that could do more work with regard to being more empathetic or more sensitive? If they're sitting in the living room with you right now, just keep looking straight at the TV right now. (laughs) Let me move to tip number two. 
Choose honesty over flattery. You know, being an encouraging person does not mean complimenting people incessantly. Giving compliments is nice, but there is a difference between giving compliments and giving a word of encouragement. Compliments make people feel good about themselves, and that's not a bad thing at all. But compliments are like giving out candy. Candy tastes good at the moment, but has really no lasting value except empty calories. And some of us may be giving empty calories instead of biblical encouragement. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs 31:30, charm is deceitful. Charm, empty calories. And beauty is fleeting. Beauty, empty calories. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Fear of the Lord. It's got gravitas to it. Proverbs 15, 4 says this, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 28, 23, listen, he who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. Let me give you another one. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. There's gravitas, there's there's weight to it. One of our elder council of women, Karen Walls, says in a meeting, she says, you know, a woman needs two kinds of friends. When you wake up in the morning and your hair is undone and, and you haven't, haven't washed your face all day, uh, you need a friend that will say, you need to take a shower, you need to wash your face, you need to brush your teeth. She says, but you need a second kind of friend. The one that says, you know what, you're beautifully and wonderfully made no matter what. And she says, you need to know which one you need in that moment, but every woman ought to have two kind of friends. Well, well Karen, I, maybe every person, even men need those kind of friends. You know, if you want encouragement to have lasting value, then you have to have words that are prepared like, like a good meal with some forethought, with some planning, with some good old protein in it. You know, with the scripture text that I just read, a healing tongue, protein. Loving rebuke, protein. Wounds that can be trusted, protein. A woman who fears the Lord, protein. I mean, sometimes we think flatter, flattery is encouragement. It's just a compliment, and it's not bad. But true encouragement must have honest weight to it that feels qualitative and meaningful. It has to have protein. In fact, just this week, our COO, Frank Easton, was in the office in a meeting with me, and he gave me some very purposeful words of encouragement in our meeting. And you could tell that he had actually thought through what he was saying to the degree that I still remember it today. It's not empty calories. It's protein. I'm still chewing on what he said, and it touched me in a purposeful way. The elders this week, we met together on, on, on Thursday morning. Guess what? We went to the new Gracism Chapel in Columbia in our building, and we had a small little mini service, and each person got up as they felt led. Read scripture, gave words of exhortation and encouragement. We even ended up singing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> you know, And uh, everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. And as we were thinking about things that I'm facing and things that we're facing, to hear the elders give words of encouragement, protein. To be an encouraging person, we've got to be honest. Let me ask you how many of you could probably use some work in this area, giving more protein and less empty calories. You know, in the Greek, the word for encouragement is also the word for exhortation. And sometimes we see exhortation, we think correction or chastisement, but exhortation and encouragement can actually mean comfort. 
because the Greek word is parakaleo and all its derivatives, parakaleos and paraklete. You know what all that means? It means to come near someone, to come alongside someone. I have a friend in uh, a pastor friend in the Ukraine. And now, you know, he's on the run like everybody else trying to get out of the country and he's out of the country. But he says that he's learning about himself, that he has to come alongside of people and he has to be more stern to tell them, get on the train, get your kids on the train. And so while he was a more of an encouraging pastor before when it wasn't wartime, now he's finding himself coming alongside of people, but being much more directive and much more stern. And that's what encouragement means too, instilling courage in people when they need it. And nothing instills courage like honesty. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times. Proverbs 27, 17 says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That doesn't sound soft. Iron sharpening iron. Let me give you the third and final tip, and that is this. Choose presence over absence. Choose presence over absence. And and don't feel the need to problem solve. Job's friends, when they showed up, do you remember? They showed up. Just that alone. In fact, I want to just read that passage to you from Job chapter 2. Remember Job, right? He lost all his wealth, the wealth of resources, the wealth of relationships. He lost his health physically and mentally. He was probably going out of his mind. The only thing he didn't lose was his wife, and I'm just saying he may have been okay with that. But here's the deal. After losing everything and after being in disease and after going through such a difficult time, guess what? It says in chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namnitheite, held all of, heard about all of his troubles that had come upon him, They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. I think that's so cool. Three friends got together, came up with a plan and went to go comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads, signs of mourning and grief. Last verse. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Wow. Friends show up. You read further in the story, they started trying to problem solve and figure out why he was going through what he's going through. That's always kind of dangerous because we really never know what God is doing. So it's best sometimes not to try to problem solve, but being present like they were, that was pretty awesome. How many of you have the kind of friends that would show up for you like that? Maybe you write them a note and say, you know what? Thank you for showing up time and time again. I need you as a friend. And how many of you need some work in showing up and being present? Sometimes you're busy and you have a schedule and then something else comes up and you defer to the schedule like it's your God. And God is saying, no, I actually want to put something else on your schedule. Just because you have a meeting, evaluate that meeting. Is it so bad that you have to push it off another week because you got to show up to be with a friend who just lost someone dear to them? Sometimes the schedule becomes our God and we don't even know it. I can't do it because I have this on the schedule. Maybe you change a flight. Was it going to cost you 400 bucks, 500 bucks? That's a lot of money. But ask yourself the question, what's more important, this extra 500 bucks to change my flight or being there with somebody who's going through treatment? 
These are important decisions. This is what encouragement means. Biblical encouragement is purposeful, powerful, and practical. Choose empathy, honesty, and presence. Fourth and finally, biblical encouragement helps us with perseverance. <laughs> I'm going to end by reading you two passages and then we're going to be, be all done here. But I want you to realize that biblical encouragement, while it's, it's, it's purposeful and powerful and practical, biblical encouragement helps us to persevere. First Thessalonians 4.16 says this, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Listen to the last line. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words, Jesus Christ is coming back. In the last, second to last passage, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. As your pastor, your brother, your friend, I say unto you, I exhort you, I encourage you, keep going. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Persevere. Endure your race. That's endurance. You've gone too far to turn back now. And one day, we will all be able to say like the Apostle Paul at the end of our life, if you'll just hang in there and persevere, for, I've, I, for I have already been poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Friends, hang in there. Be encouraged because you're going to make it all the way to the end. And Lord, as I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, if anybody turned on this service today and was feeling discouraged or down or far from you, I pray that they are lifted up, that they are encouraged, that they feel seen and heard and that they will hang in there as they fight a good fight, as they finish the race, and as they keep the faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe while you're there. If you'd like to download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. If you'd like to take part in our 30th anniversary challenge, go to bridgeway.cc 30. That's bridgeway.cc T-H-I-R-T-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.